0: atm at the minute podcast episode 177 peter mitchell here with jackson stover and let's get right into it we're going to talk some college football way too early playoff uh, picks and then we're going to go nfl overreactions talk about some of the big storylines of week one and then we're going to end it off with our big swinging picks for week two we split on the week but we got some stone cold locks coming your way all right jackson you wanted to start with college football and some way too early playoff picks so we haven't really hit on it at all yet what like what's the overarching theme of the season so far
1: well the overarching theme going into the season and really up until last saturday was oh bam and georgia are just a lock to be in the playoff and match up in the championship again it's just inevitable and after texas really outplayed Bama. I think if yours doesn't get hurt early on and he plays that full game, I think they might have beat Bama by 10 plus points. I don't know. Anything's possible. Tough to say. Game script would have been totally different. You never know. Bama had a lot of penalties. Maybe that wouldn't have been the case. But with what I saw, I wasn't convinced that Texas was an inferior team. I thought they were on the same level as Bama, which makes me rethink the entire landscape of college football for this season. Because if Texas can hang with Bama, I get it. They're in Austin, the crowd was jacked up, but Bama did not look like the more physical, more athletic, dominant team on both sides of the ball like they typically do. So that's kind of the theme. Is it really Bama and Georgia, or is it wide open? And I think that we're going to get into a little bit of that today. I know we talked quite a bit off the pod about it, and I'm pretty confident that you can only guess two of my playoff teams. I don't think you can get the other two. So do you want to start there with you trying to predict who I have as my four playoff teams?
0: Yeah, I'm I'm excited about this. Mine is a little bit more chalky, so I'm very looking forward to guessing these. I'm going to say Georgia and Ohio State are your two virtual locks. Incorrect. Really? OK, so Georgia's one. That is correct. And you don't even have. OK, Michigan. No. Clemson. Yes. Wow, okay. Bama, I'm assuming no after that intro there.
1: Yes, I do have Bama in my fourth team.
0: What? Okay, so Georgia, Bama, Clemson, and please don't say Oklahoma State.
1: No, I'm not going to do that. I realistically think they have a shot. They'd probably be number five or six. If we do get into the playoff, we're going to get the break speed off us. I am mature enough to acknowledge that but there's a chance we win the big 12 and only lose one game or go undefeated and potentially get in but i do not have oklahoma state in my way too early top four
0: all right well let me give you my four because i think my fourth might be your fourth i bet it is i have georgia ohio state bama and us
1: usc (laughs) <laughs>
0: I feel really right. good about USC,
1: really good, mainly because the Pac-12 stinks, and I don't think there's another team in that conference that can really even sniff them. But, you know, we'll see how they would match up against a Bama or a Georgia. Defensively, they're clearly not there, but I think offensively they might be and maybe even better.
0: They're sitting at seven in the polls right now. There's I only see two real tests on their schedule the rest of the way. That's at Utah and then home against Notre Dame. Other than that, they should win every single game on their schedule.
1: I don't think Utah or Notre Dame are very good this year. I think Notre Dame stinks. Uh, They lost to Marshall last week.
0: (laughs) Right, but that's my whole point. Only two real tests, and are they really even tests you have to study for days in advance, or is it something you can wing with two hours of studying the night before? I think it's the latter, and they're going to get it done. They have Lincoln Riley, who's been there before. They have Caleb Williams. Most of us think he's an uber talent. And then Jordan was Addison. Incre-
1: absolutely incredible against Stanford last week. If you didn't get to see any of that game, at one point, I believe it was with nine or ten minutes left in the second quarter, Caleb Williams had over 200 yards and four passing touchdowns.
0: Yeah, it was like eight for ten, 200 yards, four touchdowns. It in was first stupid. Half. It was yeah. stupid. Well, Jordan Addison, the pit transfer, one, I was a little upset he left. It's looking like a great decision, though. Uh, yeah. two games, seven for one seventy-two and two scores against Stanford. Follows it up with two more touchdowns against Rice. That connection is going to be electric. One of them could easily win the Heisman. We we already mentioned the schedule is a cakewalk. So if they win eleven games, one of those two is going to be up there. On to the other team. So you think Bama has enough after seeing them get tested against Texas?
1: One quick other note on USC. So Utah was the other team that you mentioned you think could be, you know, a game to circle at the very least. It's going to be tough. Absolutely. You know, Utah, they're not chums by any means, but we thought Florida was a pretty good team. They lost to Florida week one. Florida comes out and looks pretty pretty pathetic last week against Kentucky. Not to say Kentucky isn't a good team, I think team, Kentucky's
0: but a good team. I, 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 think, do. I think
1: they're solid. They're solid. I think coach Cal definitely fired him up a little bit with his comments before the season saying Kentucky's a basketball school and that whole feud breaking out with stoops and coach Cal. I think that definitely got him fired up a little bit, but bottom line, Florida isn't as good as we thought they were. And Anthony Richardson was flat out disappointing last week. I mean, he looked like a sure thing to be first round pick and was terrible. Like, a guy who didn't look like he could play in the next level. So I'm not convinced Florida is that good, which makes me wonder if Utah is actually any good. Therefore, so feeling really good about SC schedule. Okay.
0: Um, Bama though. So I think they're going to bounce back in a big way from the Texas game. That's an early season test that they needed. It was Texas's Super Bowl. I mean, they weren't even thinking about OU yet this year because that was circled week two on their schedule uh but Bama has in my opinion the best offensive player and the best defensive player in the country in Bryce Young and Will Anderson I think those two will propel them all season long Anderson makes a big play at the end of that Texas game and then well, Bryce he was Young, terrible
1: up to that point I mean Will Anderson I think had like seven penalties by himself I think he had three in one drive it was pretty ridiculous watching
0: It's it's fine, though, but in the biggest spot he comes through, same thing with Bryce Young, who we've already seen do it before. Yeah, he was incredible. Yeah, uh, I, I think Bama will be right there at the end of the season.
1: I agree, and a big part of the reason behind that is I just don't see them having a worse performance than what they had last week against Texas. I mean, the penalties, the miscues, all of the little things that the Saban coach teams never do, They were doing it all. I mean, they just continuously shot themselves in the foot. So I don't see that happening. I also think
0: characteristic for sure.
1: Yeah. And they'll get that straightened out. Also, a lot of people were really bagging on Bama's receivers. I was in the moment. And then I realized that a lot of the five stars they've gotten, I believe there were three of them. I don't know if any suited up. I think one transferred, one was injured. I don't know what's going on with the other, but they had two or three five-stars in bottom line. None of them were in this game. So they have talent. They have some injuries. It was a very undisciplined game. Hopefully those guys with injuries, the five-star receiver, I know there's at least one of them. Hopefully he's on the field soon. The penalties are going to get cleaned up. That's inevitable. Bama will play better. So I think they continue to improve throughout the season. I wouldn't be surprised if this is the low point for them, and they went out because when you look at their schedule, it's not as tough as the typical Bama game in game out in the SEC, just the gauntlet that it usually is. So started off with Vanderbilt, that's an easy dub at Arkansas. That's probably going to be their toughest game, but I feel confident that Nick Saban in Arkansas, or excuse me, Nick Saban and Alabama, can beat Arkansas versus A and M at home. I'm not worried about a at all. I don't <laughs> think they're that good. I know they have and talent. And they need but... to
0: avenge the loss from last year. There's no way they drop that one. Agreed. At Tennessee, in
1: theory, could be another tough game. And then the rest, I mean, at Ole Miss, that could be tough as well. But we're talking about Arkansas, Tennessee, and Ole Miss. As Bama's toughest challenges. Those are their only ranked games. And frankly, I don't think any of those teams are that great. You know? Oh, excuse me, AM is ranked at 24 right now. They won't be ranked long, but Arkansas, Tennessee, and Ole Miss. Those are their three tests. Yes, all are on the road, but I feel confident Bama gets it done. And there's no way they lose more than one of those. So looking at their schedule, Vanderbilt, Arkansas, AM, Tennessee, Mississippi State, LSU, Ole Miss, Austin P, and Auburn. I don't see them losing more than one of those games unless they just get decimated by injuries and Bryce Young goes down or something.
0: Yeah. I don't even think it's that deep. This is typical Bama team with two of the best players in the country and Nick Saban. I think they'll be right there. Then I want to ask you though, who do you think is a better pro prospect between Bryce and CJ Stroud? Where are you at on the quarterbacks? Man, it's tough because Stroud's kind of
1: struggled to start the year and I like a lot of the stuff Bryce does. I like how he moves in the pocket. I like just his overall presence and what he can do. But he's a small, small guy. Like, he's probably, what, 5'11", 180 pounds, if that. So that makes me a little bit concerned. But talent-wise and just the way that they move in the pocket, I like Bryce Young more than I like uh, Stroud. But I think Stroud has more of an NFL-ready body. So I I don't know where that factors in.
0: Yeah, that's a... That's a great way to sum it up. Put Young in Stroud's body, and he's incredible. Number one pick, no doubt. Yeah, best prospect since Luck ahead of yeah. Trevor Lawrence. Let's be real. Yeah, um, no, I have o- I have Ohio State firmly in my playoff. I think they're too explosive on offense. Stroud had a bad week, uh, bad start to last season against Minnesota and Oregon. He's gonna figure it out. He's loaded at wide receiver. I think Ohio State's a new wide receiver. You, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Marvin Harrison Jr., and Emeka Egbuka, who wasn't even on my radar, goes off for 9-for-90 nine, uh, nine for 90 in a score against Notre Dame. I believe in the offense. They got your boy uh, from Oklahoma State, yeah. Jim Knowles. Yeah, I think they'll be there right at the end, and Michigan doesn't even know who their quarterback is, so don't tell me they're a playoff team. Uh, no, Ohio I don't State think Michigan did. is. Ohio State's in there for sure this year.
1: I just don't know, man. I don't know. They did not look very good against Notre Dame. They did not impress me. And frankly, they didn't impress me against Arkansas State either. Not that I watched a ton of that game, but they struggled to score touchdowns. They struggled to score touchdowns against Arkansas State. Let me say that one more time. Go look at the game breakdown. I don't think they picked up a touchdown until like middle of the second quarter. They were kicking field goals. Uh, At one point, point the score was like 12 to six in the second quarter against Arkansas State. I care because if that offense cannot put up points against Notre Dame and struggles to get going against Arkansas State. I don't know what it's going to look like when they have to play Wisconsin, Michigan State, Penn State and Michigan. I really am not that confident. And I think that they could find themselves in a game against Iowa where it's like seven to seven in the fourth quarter and anything can happen. I just don't feel great about Ohio State. I really don't. I think, I you're think someone's going to way
0: game. too far into a forty-five to twelve win over Arkansas State, and nobody expected Notre Dame to drop the game against Marshall. It's a it's a new coach with uh, Freeman there. They'll be fine. They're not going to be a disaster like Nebraska is. You're way overreacting here. And the only team in the Big Ten I'm sort of afraid of is Michigan, who I just said doesn't even know who their quarterback is. They're just good on defense.
1: Okay. Whatever you say, man. Whatever you say. Okay, I'm pulling up the game script here, and toward the end of the second quarter, it was 17-9. to I don't care about that.
0: Tell me why you like Clemson more than Ohio State. Frankly, because Clemson's in a dog
1: water conference, and I don't think that they're going to be challenged. Really? I also think (laughs) that they have a lot of talent, I think that they're one of the few programs that hasn't played the transfer portal. They've kept their recruits. They've developed guys for years. Everyone knows the system. Everyone knows exactly where to be. There's not going to be some miscommunication in the fourth quarter because they've got 17 different guys rotating in and out that have barely ever played with each other before. They have a strong core on both sides that know each other well. They're bought into the program. Very talented. And I think that they maybe have the most talented quarterback on their bench. One of the best guys in the nation. I think he's the backup right now. If DJ doesn't perform, knowing that you have a second option with an incredible arm who can create, we saw him do it at the end of their first game. Yeah, I know that it was a blowout. He's playing against second stringers and not that great of a team, but still he looked really good, showed a lot of little things and, the fact that they have two quarterbacks, they're going to have an incredible defense. Clemson might have the best defensive line in the country. So put all that together and the fact that they're in a terrible conference in the ACC, I feel really good about Clemson going undefeated. Not to say I think they'll win the playoff. They might get the break speed off them in the first round, but I think they will win their conference and be undefeated.
0: One, they only beat Furman 35 to 12. <laughs> two, I'm with you on the defense. Three. I don't think DJ is that good. I don't know either. I really don't. And that concerns me because I actually think the ACC is a little deeper than it has been. NC State and Miami both have pretty good quarterbacks.
1: Ah, uh, uh, NC State's quarterback has not impressed me.
0: We'll see. We'll see. We're only two weeks in here. Uh, they go There's two only 12 wake. games, man. They go two wake this week. I actually think that could be a little bit of a test. Uh, I like what I've seen from them. And it then, might be, but the thing is white can score points. And so if you're having
1: a hard time hanging with them and DJ is not getting it done, you go to club Nick in the second half and you see what you got. And I tell you what they've got is a stud, like potential high trophy winner next year
0: at FSU at Notre Dame, the U in South Carolina, who is a team. I was pretty high on coming into the year, but looks like Rattler is still himself. He's all that still aside, Rattler. I look at the FSU Notre Dame, Miami stretch. Those all seem like they could be toss-ups to me. Um, It is the DJ question. I think the defense is excellent, like Will Shipley, but I don't think they have that same receiver talent uh, that we're accustomed to. And when Lawrence or Deshaun Watson is in your quarterback, that matters a lot. Look at who they were throwing the ball to. They had pros, guys still doing it in the league. I don't see anyone of that caliber on this Clemson team.
1: I agree. I don't think they have the same talent at wide receiver, but I do think they have a very strong running back room. They got three guys, three different styles of runners that can all move the chains in a variety of ways. And then they're going to rely on their defense, man. That's the edge that I think they're going to have when they go up against Florida State and some of these other good teams in their conference. They're going to be able to get pressure on the quarterback, and they're also going to be able to limit the run game. There's not a lot of teams that are going to be able to do that. So if you can keep other teams from scoring 20-plus points, you're in every single ball game. And I think not that Clemson is going to keep everyone from getting above 20, but I think people are forgetting they had one of the best defenses in the nation last year and a really bad start to the year. So don't count them out. They're returning most of their guys as well.
0: Yeah, I'm absolutely not counting them out. I think, I just think they'll drop one of those games and because it's not a name, like it's not like Georgia losing to Bama in the title game. Like they're not going to shoe their way in. They got to go undefeated to get in, but
1: the only games that really scare me wake this weekend will be a little bit of a challenge and at Florida State does, but I'm not super concerned about Notre Dame, especially if they've lost a few games and they're not playing for much. And Clemson is. I just I, I'm not maybe maybe Notre Dame changes my mind, but I wouldn't be surprised if they're seven and five at the end of the season. All right. Do we really even need to talk about Georgia? No they're unreal man unreal their tight end room i think they could take their tight end room and use that as a wide receiving core on any team in the nation and it would be better than anyone has
0: (laughs) greatest tight end room of all time no doubt no doubt um they're they're a wagon for sure but i will say their schedule looks a lot tougher than the one they had last year you think so they play auburn florida i don't think he's a slouch Tennessee same thing and at Kentucky second to last week of the regular yeah. season Yeah that's, that Kentucky that's game could way be tough more difficult than their cakewalk of a schedule last year
1: I'm just not convinced that any of those teams will be too incredible And in the fact that I mean they'll handle South Carolina then they have Kent State they'll handle Missouri then you got Auburn and Vanderbilt I mean you know it's Auburn they're feisty but I don't think that they're that good of a team this year. I don't think their offense is going to be able to move the ball on Georgia. Vanderbilt's an automatic dub. I feel like at that point, you're 8-0. You're looking at Tennessee, Mississippi State, Kentucky, and Georgia Tech. I just find it hard to believe they drop any of those games. If they're 8-0, eyeing down, possible back-to-back natties with that good of an offense and still an incredible... I I, I can't see Georgia losing. I can't see them losing. Only way I see it happening is if it's in the SEC championship game.
0: Let's check back on these at the halfway mark of the season. I want to spend a couple minutes before we move on to the NFL on our teams. Your Cowboys, yeah. I think they have looked pretty good. They're sitting at eight in the polls right now. How are you feeling? I feel pretty good, but
1: Spencer Sanders is our quarterback. We saw it. He flashed it in the first half last week against Arizona State. Sometimes he just makes decisions that I don't know if anyone can understand what he's seen or thinking, but 95% of the time, he's great. It's just that 5%. When it shows, it's like, oh man, there is flashbacks to the second half of the Baylor game last year. So I feel pretty good. Uh, I think our defensive line is strong. I'm worried about our secondary. There's Never been a lot of
0: life without an OSU team. Oklahoma well, State team. <laughs>
1: You saw what our defense was last year. I think it's reasonable to say that. I know, obviously, new defensive coordinator, a lot of different guys in the secondary. Frankly, I think we've just been having communication problems. I think that's a big part of it. So I'm hoping the secondary improves as we get into Big 12 play here. But I'm not ready to get my hopes up quite like I was down the stretch last year. I feel like having an actual defense last year made me believe things that I've never really believed in my life before about Oklahoma State football. And uh, I'm I'm just kind of waiting to see what we've got this year. I'm excited, but I'm not not ready to be so hopeful that I'm just devastated in a few weeks when we inevitably drop a game against Baylor or Iowa State or God, who knows, maybe even Kansas. I hope not, but talk about your Jayhawks because y'all beat West Virginia last week and I never saw that coming.
0: Yeah, you you we you guys could be on upset alert when you run into us because we are two zero. The number just two one. weeks
1: though, man, just two weeks. <laughs>
0: hey, that's a great <laughs> first two zero start since twenty eleven, I believe, for the Jayhawks. They lead the nation in scoring at fifty five and a half points a game. Holy hell! And Bookmark
1: that. You might never be able to say that again.
0: <laughs> yeah, Jalen Daniels, our quarterback, has looked great. He really has. He's been making uh, big time plays. He's explosive on the ground. It's just nice to have a dual threat quarterback. Uh, Jason Bean last year, he would make some big plays with his legs, but you never really trusted him throwing the ball. Jalen Daniels is—he's fun to watch, flat out. And we play Houston this week. Dana Holgerson, we know him well from the Oklahoma State and West Virginia days. This could yeah. be a big win for them. And uh, they're coming off a loss to Texas Tech. So I think it's kind of a bad spot for the Jayhawks. But if they can do that, then we'll be 3-0 and hosting Duke in Lawrence. Battle of the Blue Bloods on the football field. Might have to make my way down to Lawrence for that one.
1: That'd be a good one to go to. That <laughs> would
0: be a good one to go
1: to. It would make me a little bit concerned if I were a Jayhawk fan that Dana might be on the hot seat before much longer here in Houston. And if he drops this game, things might start like, to heat up. So I I think he might be coaching for his job a little bit. And he's a clever guy. I think he might pull out all the stops on you, which I never thought I would say that Dana Holgerson and Houston have to pull out all the stops against Kansas for him to keep his job. Yeah. But that might be the case this weekend.
0: We're going to put up some numbers and yeah, he's coaching for his job. Lance Lyapold, if he goes three you know, he's getting a lifetime contract out of Lawrence. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk some NFL Week One overreactions. Just gotta hit on the big stuff from the week. It was electric, completely overstimulated the first three hours of Sunday. Expecting that again this week. Yeah, uh, Jackson, where do you want to start? Give me, give me well, your first overreaction.
1: We had some pretty controversial Sunday and Monday night games, and. I'm gonna start with your Dallas Cowboys, oh, and wow, yep, sorry, had oh, to do so could We
0: go anywhere
1: else? Nope. that's where we're going. The Dallas Cowboys will get a top five draft pick this season. Is oh, that an overreaction?
0: My goodness, I I can't even
1: say it is. I think there's a real possibility. It does sound like the reports on Dak after surgery are more optimistic than originally anticipated. They haven't put him on the PUP list, so he, in theory, could be back in less than four weeks. Sounds like it's really going to be more like five or six um, if we're being just totally realistic here. But you never know, man. I mean, he could be back in four. It could take seven or eight if there's any type of setback. So he's not going to be back probably before week five. I think there's a pretty good chance you could start 0-5. And And at that point, is it just time to tank? Do you even bring Dak back this year? I don't know. What are your thoughts as a Cowboys fan?
0: I think there's a real chance they could start 0-6. Look, dude, Mm. they looked like shit with Dak. What do you think is going to be better about it whenever he comes back? He's going to be sluggish? He struggled after coming back from injury last year. I know a calf strain is a completely different thing than your thumb, but it is his throwing hand. Russell Wilson struggled after coming back from his hand injury. Is it his throwing hand? Uh, yeah, I believe so. I'm not positive he was that following it is. through. He was following through on a throw. You're right. You're right. Got him. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It wouldn't be a big deal if it was his non-throwing hand. I'm an idiot. Continue. He could. T- yeah, he could probably tough it out. Um, they will get Gallup back. That will be huge because nobody could get open. CD's targeted 11 times. He had three DBs around him. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, two completions on those. Noah Brown was the number two. And then Houston was the three. I didn't hear his name a single time this preseason. And I follow multiple Dallas beat writers on Twitter. I like to think I'm pretty locked in. I know they drafted Tolbert, who didn't even suit up. What a great sign from your third round pick! Yeah, Uh, it's it's a that's concerning. Trade Amari for a fifth round pick, lose let let Cedric Wilson walk. It it was a disaster, and the offensive line wasn't good enough. I know the Bucks are a really tough test there. Uh, It's just hard to be excited about it. Yeah, I will say this: looking at your schedule. It's probably
1: not the worst thing that these are the games Dak's gonna miss because you've got Cincy, you gotta play at the Giants, who might be a little feisty this year. You got the Commanders, the Rams, and the Eagles. So that's what I'm three, saying. I could see three, really good teams in there. Yeah, but then if you look at the rest of the schedule, it's Lions, Bears. You do have to play at the Packers and Vikings, but then it's Giants, Colts, Texans, Jags, Commanders. It's not terrifying. You know what I mean? Besides Green Bay and maybe at Minnesota, I'm not really scared of any of those teams. It's not like you're having to play KC and then the Chargers <laughs> and all these teams where you know you're going to have to put up 30 points to be in the game.
0: Yeah, the second half of the uh, schedule really isn't that tough at all. But if they start 0 and five or one and five, 0 and six, dude, it's how are they going to come back from that? At that point, are you tanking for Bryce? I just don't think that's an option. I'm not going to I'm not even going to give my energy to something that I would prefer that's never going to happen. <laughs> so, do you want to move on from Dak? Look, I don't think I think the the roster got worse. Um I don't really know that he's an elevator like the guys we, that I can name six of right now. He's like
1: he's like a placeholder. Uh, he's like a Jimmy G, I feel like maybe a little bit more than Jimmy G, but he's not going to take you to the next level, but what you give him, he'll work with it, you know?
0: Yeah, Kirk Cousins, exactly. Yeah, But the roster's just so depleted, and I don't even think they can get back to what they had a year or two ago with one draft, with one offseason. It sucks, man. I'm taking it a game at a time. This This Sunday game was so awful it was bad it was bad from-
1: having cd in two leagues i i was so just furious with myself that i did that
0: yeah i, I only have him in one it was a keeper league um had to take him so yeah I, i'm concerned i think there's a real chance they could be they could have a really high draft pick uh we'll, we'll see what happens not an overreaction okay. I do have one solution for
1: you, and there's a quarterback many moons ago who I said was better than Dak Prescott. He's great coming in relief. He could take your team to the playoffs, and that would be Nick Foles. Go trade for Nick Foles, Dallas. That's your solution.
0: All right, my first overreaction. <laughs> you can tell me whether it's one or not. Okay. The AFC is a two-horse race between Buffalo and Kansas City. I don't see any real threat to those two teams.
1: I don't know, man. I I don't think you can say that yet. I think it's a little bit of an overreaction. I think we need to see what we have with the Chargers. That could wind up being a 13-win team. And just all around the league, I think it's tough enough versus the NFC, where I think it's the exact opposite. Um, I'll I'll just go ahead and spoil my take. I think Tom Brady's going to return to the Super Bowl because the NFC is so bad, the Bucs are just going to happen to be the best team. Whereas the AFC, I feel like it's going to be a gauntlet through the playoffs, and all it takes is one bad game or one bad half or one bad quarter, and next thing you know, if you're Buffalo or Kansas City, you're sitting at home. Not to say I don't think that they should be heavily favored. I just wouldn't go as far as to say it's a two-horse race yet. Maybe if they're both undefeated at, like, you know, week seven or eight if they haven't matched up yet, maybe we could get there. But after one week, I'm not ready to go.
0: I think I'm ready to say they're a tier above the rest. The Chargers do have a chance to be there. Uh the Bengals, we talk about we talk up their offensive line all off season and they it get worked bad. by the Steelers. But uh, it's a
1: new unit. They've never played a game with Joe. They
0: didn't right. play the preseason. They will get better, that's for sure. The Ravens, I'm You know, we've never seen Lamar go that deep in the playoffs. It's still unproven. Matt Ryan's obviously not doing it. The Titans, they look like they're falling off a little bit. Uh, The Broncos. What was that Monday? Uh, We'll get there. We'll get there. And I'm not scared of Derek Carr. I just named almost every contender there is the one team who I think you got to keep your eyes out for. Yep. Miami Can't Dolphins. I believe I'm saying this.
1: Miami Dolphins.
0: Miami. Cleveland Browns.
1: Whoa. I don't disagree. Jacoby keeps them 500. Deshaun comes back as an upgrade. And next thing you know, they're pretty scary. Run game's great. Defense is solid.
0: What a disaster that would be if the Browns faked the Super Bowl this year.
1: I thought it was a little bit too much narrative based on everyone being like, oh, they're
0: just going to suck this year. Because looking at their roster, like, it's pretty you, good. You know how good I felt about their roster last year. It's damn near identical, and that defense is young and getting better yeah. and better. Yeah. And if Just Amari stays healthy,
1: I mean, yeah, you pretty much swapped Amari for Jarvis Landry.
0: I still like an upgrade. I still like David Bell. Peoples Jones is a good talent. I picked him and up in a couple leagues this week. Best run game in the league, or best running back tandem. They play the be. Jets this week. They play the Steelers next week. Then the Falcons. Ah, don't count <laughs> out the Steelers. Don't count out the Steelers. I I'm not, but it's still Mitchell Trubisky. So,
1: I think they're going to make the playoffs.
0: Few winnable games. There. They I think they should win two out of their next three, and you you get three wins out of Jacoby. They also play the Patriots. Come on, I it's stupid. They could yeah. easily win four to five games with Jacoby. I don't disagree.
1: I don't disagree with you. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, next one I've got. I wait, kind of do we want oh, to talk continue. about
0: Do we want to talk about Buffalo and KC's performances at all? Um, I think we'll get there. Okay. Do you have anything on Buffalo?
1: Because I have something on Kansas City that I can jump to.
0: Buffalo came out better than I could have imagined. That Agreed. was a wildly impressive performance. I do think there was a lot of sludge on the Rams. They just they looked like crap, to be honest. And no starters
1: touch the field in the preseason. I mean, that's been a big narrative
0: that people have kind of been
1: beaten to a pulp. And I think it's valid. You know, when none of your unit plays together and there's 11 guys on the field at one time moving cohesively and you haven't taken live reps in a real game, that's a problem.
0: Yes. Um, But Josh Allen is a cheat code. So I think they're going to be awesome all year long. All right. What's yours?
1: All right. Well, this is a little bit contradictory to what I was saying, um, countering to your statement about it's a two horse race, but I think the Chiefs are going to win the Super Bowl. Mahomes is going to win MVP and be QB1 (laughs) in fantasy. I think all three. I I know it's one week, but. Anyone who said, oh, they're going to slow down without Tyreek, or oh, Mahomes' success was so dependent on Tyreek and the deep ball, you're an idiot and you should probably not have opinions about football because Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league. He has taken the torch from Tom Brady. This one game showed me that there is no personnel change, no coaching change. No one has made Patrick Mahomes. The guy is just a freak and always felt that way. But just seeing this one game with no Tyreek and all these new weapons and how how easily he could move the ball around and just fit the ball into windows that were unreal. Like some of the passes to Kelsey. Kelsey was not open. He just knew he had a window to get it there if he threw it perfect, and he did every time. I mean, the, the guy is unreal. Him and Josh Allen are at a totally different level. And, you know, Allen had a couple picks week one. Mahomes had Herbert's a perfect close. game.
0: Herbert and Burrow Herbert and Burrow can be close to that level.
1: I agree, but I think they're a couple years away. I think Mahomes and Josh Allen are truly hitting their primes this year.
0: Okay. Yeah. the Just double down on a lot of what we said coming into the year. They looked amazing. They could not be stopped. I, I know the Cardinals defense was a bit depleted and short, but wow. I mean, he crushed every hater that said Tyreek is this game changer, which I think he is, but... They just crushed all the haters in week one. They play the Chargers tomorrow night. Uh, I think Mahomes (laughs) could have
1: thrown. He literally could have thrown for seven touchdowns if he wanted. No shit. He actually could have thrown for seven if he
0: wanted. Oh, yeah. I mean, they took their foot off the gas. Uh, I'm with you, though. Um, More on them later. Oh, interesting. I might have a little bit later, too. (laughs) Okay. What's your next
1: overreaction from week one?
0: The Giants are a threat to the Eagles in the NFC East. Hell, the Giants and the football team are a threat to the Eagles.
1: I don't think that's an overreaction. I think both of them could be feisty. I think they both might end up having losing records, you know, be like seven and nine. But I could see that division, except for the Cowboys, for the time being, beating up on each other a little bit. Wouldn't be surprised if a lot of them split with each other. I don't think the Giants make the playoffs, but I do think they come close to being 500 if they stay healthy. And yeah, day ball has been a huge addition. I mean, just seeing how fired up they were on the sidelines, but their quarterback still Daniel Jones and he had his moments where he tried to lose that game for them. And you could tell they didn't really want to put the ball in his hands on the final moments. They kind of just ran the ball in like a two minute drill type of drive. Almost. I mean, it was, it was Saquon that they turned to, to win the game and not Daniel Jones. So That's got to be a little bit of a concern, but I do think that's going to be a competitive division that once again might have a close to 500 division winner.
0: I loved what I saw from Saquon. He is officially back as someone who took him multiple times this year. Feeling great about that. They can clearly block, finally. Uh, Yeah,
1: I kind of regret trading him away in Dynasty a little bit, but that's all right. It was a long-term play.
0: (laughs) If Daniel Jones can take care of the football, they will be in every game they play.
1: Peter, game. that's like saying if I grow four inches tonight and get above six foot, could I maybe walk on to a professional baseball team? Like It's not going to happen.
0: You, you make a great point. But again, Dayball got it done. He goes for two in a huge spot. Think about the difference between what he did and Nathaniel Hackett. Yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, you don't have anything to lose in your first game. If anything, you go for it and don't get it. Everyone's like... Man, he went for it. Nice. Like you like to see that from a first year coach. Um, and
1: you can make the argument that we think they probably have more talent and they would have beat us in overtime. So let's go take our shot and get the win now and not leave it to a coin flip.
0: Yeah. Uh, I think the Giants will be feisty. The Commanders, on the other hand, they get the win over the Jags. I'm not putting too much into this one. I think they're going to be right around eight and nine, seven and 10. And the Eagles, on the other hand, I think they kind of showed me what I wanted to see. I told you put a little sprinkle on Jalen hurts MVP. What does he do? He comes out and lights up the scoreboard. AJ Brown and him have a clear connection. I regret not taking AJ Brown in any leagues this year, but we'll see. We will see. The lions defense did not look very good. Eagles defense. I don't think it will be another reason why I like the lions players in fantasy, uh, but no, if Jalen Hurts can play at that level, the Eagles will be a very good team this year.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't think any of that's an overreaction. I think that's all pretty valid. All next right, one got I got. For me? I already kind of touched on it, so just going to brush over it really quick. I really do think that Tom Brady <clears throat> and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to get back to the Super Bowl. The NFC is terrible. Green Bay will get better. Uh, we kind of saw them start to turn it on a little bit in the second half. We know they had the week one blowout against the Saints last year, so I'm not ready to overreact and say Green Bay is not going to be the same or anything like that. But I'm also not so sure that the NFC West is going to be as good as it was last year. They were pretty disappointing week one. So just by process of elimination, I feel like Tampa Bay's got the best shot to come out of the NFC, and their first playoff matchup or two might be a cupcake game.
0: Yeah, no, after week 1, I'm I'm with you on that. But then you have to think the only team that didn't score a touchdown this past week was the Dallas Cowboys who looked like complete dog water. So, yeah, but you got to give some credit to Tampa Bay's defense. You got to give some. Yeah, I will. Um and I actually think Dallas's defense played pretty well. Um so I'm with you, man. They they have the best pieces in place, having done it before. Brady, the goat. I'm with you there. And I I told you I'm a little bit off the Rams. I feel pretty good about that take after week one. So, yeah, man that that just that game really baffled
1: me because Allen Robinson was out there for over ninety five percent of the snaps.
0: Running wind sprints.
1: It didn't even didn't even get looked at. And it felt like the playoffs last year where Stafford just didn't trust anyone other than cup and said, I don't care if he's quadruple covered, I'm throwing him the ball. And they had some success, but definitely times when there was a ball that came in high and went off cups hands that Stafford tried to force in, There was a big interception Mm -hmm. that was part of the part of the process of the game, getting away from them. But it was just a very, very bizarre performance by the Rams offense from a mastermind guy like McVeigh, who usually schemes up pretty good stuff. It just seemed like Stafford forcing every ball to cup.
0: I will not watch any of their games this year. If Stafford is locked on to cup like that again, that was ridiculous. It was, it was, like, it was legitimately it was like boring a high watch.
1: school quarterback that only has one good receiver. He's got one real athlete out there and he's just throwing the ball up to him every time.
0: I needed to take a nap during that one, dude. It It was a snoozer. Come on, Matt Stafford. You're better than that. You just won a Super Bowl. Yeah. I'm uh, going to jump to another one really
1: quick because you brought this name up. Nathaniel Hackett. I will, as of now, I will die on this hill. I don't think this is an overreaction. He's not fit to be a head coach or at least not ready. That was pathetic <laughs> last night. I mean, that was flat out unreal. He pulled him at Lafleur. He kicked a field goal, when down four. They were having a hard time moving the ball. There wasn't a lot of time left. Kicks the field goal and then gets the ball back with a couple minutes. They start a pretty successful two-minute drive. They get to fourth and five, and everyone knows what happens from there. They decide to try and kick the second longest field goal in NFL history instead of simply trying to pick up five yards on fourth down with one of the best quarterbacks in the league that they just paid a quarter of a billion dollars. So if you can at least read the room and understand – I've got to put it in our quarterback's hands to show confidence, even if deep down you think kicking the field goal might be the right move. You're playing his former team on a primetime game. What does that say to your quarterback if you go ask your kicker to kick a 64-yarder and he's one of eight on his career from 60-plus? It says, I don't trust you and I think we're going to lose anyway, so I'm just going to take a Hail Mary on the super long field goal.
0: The move was wrong. He came out and admitted it the next day. Well, he did it in his postgame presser. He doubled
1: down on it. And he said, I thought that was the best chance for us to win the game. I trust that he can make that kick. You know, I've seen him make him before. Totally neglecting the fact that he's one for eight on his career
0: from 60 plus. He, I he, watched he literally
1: the, said, I thought we had a better chance to win kicking the ball.
0: He was getting bullied in that press conference. I felt bad for the guy. Uh, I didn't. He He brought it upon himself. I think it's a little bit of an overreaction, though. Everyone, including him, can admit they screwed up. But it was his first game as a head coach. If that happens again, he will be going for it. It will be in Russ's hands. Come on, man. It's week one. We saw the Saints-Packers game last year. I'm that just was one not of ready. the worst coaching blunders I've ever seen.
1: I've never, never turned an NFL game off in my life and sat there for 20 minutes thinking about the ending of the game and how bad a coach screwed it up. I've never seen one that bad. I don't even know if your boy McCarthy could screw it up that bad. I mean, first of all, kicking the field goal when you're down four. I mean, they
0: did last year in the playoffs when Jack couldn't
1: get a playoff. Uh, That's Uh, true. That was bad. This was maybe worse because there was two instances. The first one was like, all right, you clearly didn't trust Russ. I guess, sure, you're down one instead of down four now. I guess it gives you a chance for a field goal if you get the ball back. And then you don't give Russ a shot again. Like, I understand if you want to kick the field goal at some point, but pick up the fourth and five more and try to get 10 to 15 more yards at least. Like, what what are you doing, dude? I think that one's borderline unforgivable. And I don't know if Broncos fans are ever going to let him live that down, especially the fact that it was the first Monday night game of the year and the entire country was watching. If that was disguised in, you know, a, a noon game that, there's seven others going on. Maybe it's not as big of a deal, but the fact that it was Monday night football, the first week of the year, and everyone was watching, I, I don't know how long it's going to take for him to him to get past that with the fans or the fans to forgive him.
0: The fans need to get on Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon as well for both fumbling at the goal line. If they convert those two, we might not be having this conversation.
1: Well, here's another idea that goes back to coaching and philosophy. Maybe don't go shotgun on... One yard, you know, first, second, third, and goal from the one yard. Full agreement. Maybe you go under center.
0: Full agreement with you.
1: But they both fumbled. They both fumbled. Some blame has to go on that. Sure. Sure. I agree let's not dog Nate Hackett after one week. But you don't consciously decide to fumble is my thing. You consciously decide I don't trust my quarterback and I'm going to try to kick a 64-yard field goal for the win. Other thing that pissed me off, if you know you're going to kick that field goal, you have three timeouts left. So what you can do is as soon as you don't pick it up, because it's third and forever, and like he said in his presser, I'd already decided we were going to kick it, and Javante even picked up a few more yards than I thought he would, so I was really ready to go for it. Something along those lines, not verbatim, so don't quote me, but you make the decision to waste a timeout and let 40 seconds burn off the clock when you could have ran your field goal unit on, you could have taken the field goal attempt with 40 seconds left, and then if you miss it, you have three timeouts. You've got an opportunity to get a three and out stop, use those timeouts, get the ball back, and have 30 or so seconds to try and lead a drive to get a field goal. There was like seven things that I could point to that were just terrible
0: coaching. I honestly believe in the Broncos less because of Russ than I do Nathaniel Hackett
1: he did not help that's for sure also didn't help that he didn't even throw to a receiver until the second quarter I I can't figure
0: him out I, I don't know what it is he's not the same guy did you like his post game uh, outfit no
1: right, like pre game ne- outfit it was the same one
0: <laughs> I know Um. alright my next one the Vikings will win the NFC North overreaction or not part of me wants to say, yeah,
1: it's an overreaction because we saw what Green Bay did week one and then what the rest of the season looked like. But also, everyone was talking about Justin Jefferson's going to be the new Cooper Cup and yada, yada, yada. I was skeptical. Count me
0: in as everyone.
1: Yeah, he looked like really, really (laughs) unbelievably good. So, I don't think it's crazy to say, plus the Vikings now have a one game advantage and a tiebreaker on them. So. Yeah, I don't think that's an overreaction. I think it's fair to say that the division yeah. is the Vikings to lose.
0: Hell yes. I I think it's I don't even think it's an overreaction. I legitimately believe it. Green Bay will get better. Uh, Rogers will develop more trust in those young receivers as the year goes on. And in yeah, and Lazard didn't play week one. That'll help get Lazard out there. If Watson makes that catch, who knows how the game goes? The energy could have changed completely. Yeah,
1: uh, and Aaron Rodgers just outlook on the game and mentality. Like that has to be an incredibly frustrating thing and make you second guess stuff. I and mean, we saw him holding the ball really, really long in that second half at different times. And it's probably part of the reason why he
0: threw a beautiful ball out there and had his rookie drop six points. He looked discombobulated in week one of last year. Uh, So one thing for LaFleur, you know, I'm no expert. I don't know everything about football. Maybe you need to play your guys in the preseason a little bit. Look at the difference between the Packers and the Chiefs in week one. That is a result of playing your guys a little bit in the preseason. It is.
1: It is, but I also understand the frame of mind of hey. I cannot stick my starters out there and risk Aaron Rodgers going down and the entire season's done. I can't do it. I will not Why be the coach that lets my then? star quarterback. It's a gamble. It's a gamble. And if Mahomes were to get hurt, there would be people calling for Andy Reid's job.
0: Not no, so, Not after winning a Super Bowl. I. You don't yeah. think if, if Patrick Scott. Mahomes Maybe tears Scott, his ACL. But nobody if he else. goes
1: out there, ACL, he's down for the year, done, season's over, because Andy Reid played him too much in preseason. You That's, wouldn't be pretty
0: frustrated? I'm not even going to speak on this. This is too dark. Uh, but the Packers, it's the reason though, why
1: they don't play him.
0: The Packers, though, they will they will improve for sure. But I'm also slightly concerned about Bakhtiari. Is he ever going to be fully healthy again? Or, or do we have a Tyron I don't Smith think so. situation here? I think he's done.
1: I think his body's done, man. It's been like this for three or four years. And his quotes were not optimistic. I think he said something along the lines of, I think I can gut it out and make it through the year. Like if you're having that mentality going into week one, like I'm going to try to make it, you know, like I'm going to play through it, but I'm already really hurting. And you haven't even played a real snap of football yet. That's not a good sign.
0: Yeah. Uh, Last bit. I think Justin Jefferson averaged four yards of separation on his catches last week.
1: Is that route running? On his 11 targets. Is it both?
0: On his 11 targets, he averaged four yards of separation from the closest defender. That's pretty impressive. People are already starting the Kirk Cousins
1: MVP narrative, and (laughs) I never thought I'd be alive to see that day. All right, give me your next one. All right, Matt Ryan is washed. It's end of discussion. I'll die on this hill. Is that an overreaction after seeing him one week with another team?
0: I'm not I'm not backing off my he can make Pittman fantasy relevant take, but yeah, he's watching. Oh, he they're did not, that. They're not winning anything this year. They will Thank not win a goodness.
1: Thank goodness. I'm glad you see it that way. <laughs> <laughs> I could yeah. not believe people were picking him for MVP, Colts to win the Super Bowl. That's just crazy, man. Crazy. I mean, maybe if they had Matt Ryan at 32, I could get behind it, but at 38 or whatever he is, no.
0: I got He's one no more Tom to get Rayden. off here.
1: I do as well. You get yours first and I'll follow up with mine. All
0: right. The NFC West is wide open. You alluded to this earlier. We talked about the Rams already. Um, the Cardinals. Man, I feel good about uh, what I said last week. <laughs> uh, I'm not Gino, ready to count them out.
1: The Seahawks. I'm not ready.
0: Yeah. It's sole possession I, of first I, place. I don't even know how they won that game. It was. It doesn't make any sense that they pulled it out. Teams aren't going to make those it does, mistakes. Though. The critical mistakes that Denver made. They made three made, critical mistakes.
1: Yeah, but that's that was probably to Pete Carroll in the last, I don't know, four or five years. That was probably the most important game he's ever coached. I don't know if he's ever prepped harder for a game, probably Super Bowls, or <laughs> wanted one as bad. I mean, this was a week he's one matchup. So he had a long
0: time to prep. All
1: offseason to prep, and imagine how bad that relationship got with Russell Wilson behind closed doors. I mean, it was a your way or my way type thing. Russell Wilson wanted to spread it out and throw the ball, and Pete Carroll wanted to pound the rock and play conservative. They had completely different ideals, and they clashed continuously. So I can't imagine how bad Pete Carroll wanted to pound the rock, get Geno going, and show that if you just played in my scheme and trusted me, we would have won football games and continue to win and be in Super Bowls. So I think for Pete Carroll... This game meant everything to him, and I'm not entirely shocked that Seattle won it. Now, I don't think Seattle's going to continue the success. I don't think that's possible, but they might be feisty. You know, they might win six, seven games and be in a lot of games.
0: Thank you for saying that Russ Pete thing, because there's an article I wanted to read that I forgot about. Um, Yeah. Yeah, and then, obviously, the Niners go down to the Bears. That was a huge upset. But I think you just throw that game out entirely. That game meant nothing for the end of the season. I I
1: don't know, dude. I don't know. I hope it didn't mess Trey Lance's confidence up at all. Can't have felt good. I mean, he was rough in that fourth quarter, but they're playing in a monsoon. And in my defense, I had them and Baltimore. Tees. they both just needed to win as my big swinging pick and uh when i made it on wednesday i didn't know a monsoon was coming so i would like to put a little asterisk by that one oh and one with a little star by we'll
0: get, it we'll get there we'll get there <laughs> uh yeah but they they do play seattle this week i think that will be a good litmus test on how good these teams actually are granted it's still only two weeks in all right give me your arizona versus seattle that is 40 uh san francisco Seattle
1: oh, okay 49ers gotcha didn't know if you're talking about Cardinals or them okay last one I've got here even if Tua isn't great Miami can win 11 games is that an overreaction
0: I don't think so um, they did enough to beat New England this last week New England's offense I think uh, I think that was indicative of how they'll perform this year but it's yeah. still a Belichick defense and they were able to get the job done uh, I know they scored a defensive touchdown, but it is week one with McDaniel. I saw some things I liked. I liked going for it on fourth down. That created the big wall. Yeah, fourth
1: and seven. I like that. You know who would never do that? Nathaniel Hackett.
0: <laughs> and then there were a few times I thought he got a little bit cute. There was a third and one where he's got Tyreek Hill in motion, running back and forth, back and forth. And then he throws it out to the flat. I'm like, yeah, just run the ball, run a more high percentage play than that. Um, I think they'll figure it out as the season goes along, but there were some good signs in Week One. Plus, the defense made some big plays. Javon Holland with the pick defense looked good, and uh, Melvin Ingram with scoop and score, I believe.
1: Melvin Ingram is a sneaky good addition for them. I think he's still got a couple good years left, maybe or at least that, a few good games. That defensive line is feisty over there. It is, it is. And I will advise you if you're looking to make a futures bet on the Dolphins, wait a few weeks because their toughest stretch of the schedule is right now. They got to go at Baltimore this week, which I do like them. That will be a very fun game. And it's going to be telling for both teams to see what we've really got with them. And I think Miami can win it. They're a three and a half point dog, kind of like their money line. I'm not going to nothing on that in my big swinging picks here, but (laughs) just put it out there. I that's talking to me a little bit. It looks nice. Um, But at Baltimore, then home versus Buffalo and then at Cincy, that is a really tough three game stretch. But then after that, They've got the Jets, there's an easy dub, and then the rest of the schedule isn't too bad. You see the Vikings, you see the Steelers, the Lions, the Bears, Browns, Texans, all pretty manageable, and then they got another little tough stretch down the end where you see the Chargers, Bills, Packers, and 49ers, then they close up with Patriots and Jets. So They kind of have some waves where they got a couple three to four game stretches that will be tough, and if they can just go 500 and survive those, I think they get 11 wins.
0: They can come out 500 after these next three games. I'll be feeling good about uh my 2 stance.
1: Yeah, if they can be three and two after they get through, well, I guess it'd be two and two, but uh, eh, if they're three and one even, man, somehow three and one after they play the Ravens, the Bills, and the Bengals, that's got to be like a little bit of a wake-up call for the rest of the AFC.
0: The, the league's on notice if that happens.
1: Yeah, we'll see. Two and two is probably more realistic, but if you get to three and one, then you get the Jets, you're at four and one, then you're looking at Vikings, Steelers, Lions, Bears, Browns, Texans thinking, all right, if we go run the table here, we could be sitting at the top of the AFC.
0: All right. Is it time? It is time. It is time for Big Swinging Picks. Week two, Jackson, give us a little recap of week one.
1: Yeah. So as I mentioned a few minutes ago, I made the mistake of including a game where there was a monsoon that was going to be had. I, I just should look at the forecast. That's I don't even know if it was on the forecast. That's a
0: failure right there.
1: It made the pick on a Wednesday, man. I probably should have checked the weather, but I don't know if they were predicting it to be that bad. I had a tease, six points with Baltimore, And the 49ers, they both just needed to win for me to hit. I had one unit on it. Baltimore, no problem against the Jets. And the 49ers struggled in a monsoon and blew their 7-0 lead and lost to the Bears by 10. So tough week. I am down one unit. You had a better week than me. I believe Gabe Davis, anytime touchdown scorer at plus 165.
0: Yes, sir. He came through, told you that was the lock of the year. I'm yeah, back I should have said another. first touchdown scorer. I, sh- I should have said first touchdown. You know, that would have been an extremely ballsy move there. But, you know, I didn't want to jinx it. I wanted to hit in week one.
1: Yeah, it was a good bet. It was a good bet. So getting into week two, there's a couple lines that I'm really looking at that kind of made me curious. One of them I already mentioned, the Miami line, not doing anything with it. Other one that's talking to me a little bit, Pittsburgh at home. They're an underdog against New England. That just doesn't seem right. Now, a little bit skeptical because what what, what's what's Vegas' play here? You know, like, what do they got cooking? Like, what do I not know? But they had the same thing with Pitt in college football against Tennessee last week. Pitt at home, six-point dog, big plus money. So I was a little worried, like, what does Vegas know? Well, Vegas didn't know shit because... Keaton Slovis went down and Pitt went to overtime, still almost won that game. So I'm not quite as scared of Vegas as I am sometimes right now, but I'm not including the Steelers in my ticket. I just wanted to throw it out. I like that bet. The line has now moved to two and a half. So if you can get it at three Steelers plus three at home against a New England team that isn't very good. I don't care if TJ Watt doesn't play. I don't think New England's going to score a lot. So I like that. I like the Steelers money line. You know, whether you i like get the plus under the on that line.
0: one i don't even know what it is no one's gonna score it's probably like 44 let me check 44 yeah That's i bet it's lot. low man you think so i bet it's i bet this total is 39 and a half or 40
1: no way
0: it's 40 yeah you're right oh Once look at that
1: baby and the line moved again. Now it's back to New England minus two. So there's got to be a good amount of money getting thrown on this because it started as New England by one and a half, moved to two and a half, now back to two. So it's jumping around.
0: All right. Uh, so what is the pick this week? The pick this week is a money line Parlay. I have just two All teams. Right. All right.
1: First one, Cincy over Dallas. Right now, it's sitting around minus 350. I've seen it at minus 310. I've seen it get down to minus 370. That's the first leg. Second leg, I mentioned I had something on them for later. It's Kansas City tomorrow night over the Chargers at home. This line's moved around quite a bit as well. I see the money line at minus 200 right now. The parlay comes out to be roughly minus 103. So we're going to call it even money. Just sticking with one unit, it'll get me back to even. One unit to win one unit. Just trying to chip away here, man. Not going to do anything too crazy early in the season. Just need the Chiefs to beat the Chargers and the, the Bengals to beat the Cowboys. I think the Bengals, I don't even need to watch that game. That's a done deal. But Chargers made me a little nervous. Yeah. yeah what I'm, I'm riding the, my and the Chiefs. What is the money line on that? Minus 200. The Chiefs? the chiefs minus 200 at home versus the chargers really Vegas likes them quite a bit okay Uh, well it actually got bigger than that it was minus 220 got up to four and a half on the spread in the chiefs favor now it's back down to four and minus 200
0: hmm all right I just have this image of Mike Williams mossing somebody in the corner of the end zone every time he's an arrowhead can't get that out of my head um all right, no Keenan
1: Allen, so he might have a big night.
0: Yeah, no it, it, fantasy spin here. Mike Williams bounce back is imminent. Uh, Trent McDuffie rookie corner, uh, not that he was even going to be matched up with Mike Williams tomorrow night. Uh, he's out, so they're they're slim at the position. Second fantasy spin here. Josh Palmer has flex value tomorrow night. If you hear this yeah. and you're desperate at receiver, throw him in it's there with Keenan Allen for out.
1: like. 12 points on a lot of platforms
0: yeah i'm i'm doing it in one deeper league than i'm in out of necessity chris godwin got hurt i need someone to throw in there
1: Mm. interesting
0: okay but yeah i don't what's your pick what's your pick yeah i thought it was gonna
1: be kansas city but now i'm i'm concerned it's not you're you're not saying great things here
0: i'm just playing devil's advocate Advocate on yours. Uh, I think okay. Cincy will work Dallas, so like that. And I think Kansas City gets a dub tomorrow night.
1: Okay, good. Thank you. What's your pick now?
0: All right. My big swing pick, baby. I one to oh, know after the Gabe Davis Anytime TD, I'm going to go with another player prop. This time we're taking Juju Smith-Schuster over 57.5 receiving yards at minus 122. Jackson, riddle me this. Why is that number so low? Week one, he goes six catches for 79 yards on eight targets. That was number two on the team to Travis Kelsey. Now, Derwin James is going to be riding Travis Kelsey like a Jansport backpack all night, and the ball is going to get funneled to Juju. I wouldn't wouldn't be surprised if he has 79 yards in the first half tomorrow night. For Patrick Mahomes to come out and make the political statement of, you know, there's not going to be a number one,
1: I'm going to spread it around. Yeah, that's bullshit. There's a very clear one-two punch here, and it's going to be Kelsey and Juju. Yeah, uh,
0: I think this is a home run pick. I usually try to stay away from player props. I think player prop overs are usually sucker bets. Um, But this is one that I absolutely love. So jumping on it. And for those of you that think it's a shootout, I do think game script wise, we're going to see these two quarterbacks air it out, but stay away from the over since 1990 totals of 54 and a half are seven and oh on the under on Thursday night football going under by an average of 13.8 points per game. That's that's courtesy of the action network. That's all you need to know. All you need to know. Two touchdowns under that.
1: I also think both these defenses are a little bit better than last year. I specifically think the Chargers defense is quite a bit better. The defensive line is absolutely better. Khalil Mack looks like Khalil Mack and you have Derwin James healthy. So people that are expecting a repeat of the primetime game that we got last season with the chiefs and the chargers, it's not going to be the same game.
0: Yeah, it it is early in the year. Like, I don't think we're going to see crazy, crazy fireworks. Um, The, the, chargers defense is a lot better than the than the cardinals was so i am with you on that (laughs) all right
1: any final thoughts as we get ready for week three of college football and week two of nfl football
0: nah just uh run your pick back real quick
1: yeah so i'm taking a money line parlay with the Bengals to beat the cowboys and the chiefs to beat the chargers Chiefs and Chargers is tomorrow night. It will be tonight for you when you're listening to this pod, most likely Thursday night football action. So if you like it, you're going to ride with me. Get in on it quick. That is even money. I'm just throwing one unit on it to win one unit, trying to get back to even after an L week one.
0: All right. And I am going with Juju Smith Schuster over 57 and a half receiving yards. Odds I got minus 122. Lock it in, fellas. We are in for a great Thursday night. And with that said, you guys know the drill. Give us that five-star rating. Spread the word. Share the podcast with a friend. And we'll be back next week. Peace.